You're listening to the Just Sayin' Podcast, offering conversations with experts that will educate, inform, and entertain. Here's your host of the Just Sayin' Podcast, Charlie Cornaccio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Just Sayin' Podcast. Janet Irizarry is a restaurant consultant with over 30 years' experience in the restaurant and hospitality industry. She has owned and operated three full-service restaurants in her career. And then two years ago, Janet founded HudsonValleyEats.com, focusing on businesses in the Hudson Valley, which is in a beautiful part of New York State, about 90 minutes north of New York City, maybe maybe 90 minutes south of Albany. And uh, she has developed an online community that brings restaurant owners and foodies and nonprofit organizations all together and her goal is to give back with the knowledge that she possesses, and she possesses a lot of it. So please welcome Janet Irizarry to the Just Saying Podcast. How are you, Janet? I am fine. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it is so great to catch up with you, especially in these times with what's going on. Uh, the restaurant industry has been hit so hard with COVID-19. And I think that, you know, you got to give these restaurant owners a lot of credit because of uh, the fact that, you know, we were told one date, I don't know, in New York, I think you were told one date, and then um, you were told, well, you know what, we're going to extend that date. And then that date came and it was, all right, we're going to open up a little bit. And then it was like, well, well no, we're going to gonna cut it back 14 days. How do people manage in those situations? Well, it's been tough just because they've had to pivot so many times in general. Yeah. And, um, you know, actually most recently they were told that they, couldn't open up for inside dining until this week, but then they were allowed to do it last week. So it caught some restaurants totally off guard. And, um, you know, it's just, there's always that fear also, now that they're opened up, will they have to close again? Cause you know, I gotta commend New York cause New York's been doing a really great job as far as following the you know, rules and restrictions. And you know, we haven't had a resurgence of the virus, but we're seeing it happening in other places and in other states, you actually see restaurants and bars closing down again. And I, yeah. you know, that to me is just, you know, would be the real nightmare. I would imagine on an even playing field with no COVID or anything, uh, most restaurants have limited capital to work with, like m maybe most Americans do, where they're working paycheck to paycheck, and you lose one of those paychecks, and then the whole house of cards comes down. Is that the situation with restaurant owners? For the most part, yes. Um, you know, once again, the restaurant business is a labor of love. It's passion. Very few people get rich in the restaurant business. Mm. And uh, a lot of them do live paycheck by paycheck. And right now, a lot of them are not taking paychecks just so they can keep their doors open. But, um, you know, it all goes back to the fact that those restaurants that weren't really set up to do business and were negative cash flow before the pandemic, it's just a nightmare for them. Because mm. um, even the ones that are have had to reinvent themselves and you know, one of the reasons a lot of restaurants fail is because they don't go into it with the right business plan. They really haven't crunched the numbers. They got this love in their heart. They worked at a restaurant for years and they say, oh, I could do that. I want to be my own boss. And the bottom line is it's not that simple. You know, in order to have a successful restaurant, you have to start at the beginning and make sure the number ones work. 
And now it's the restaurants that are, did that and are even successful. Now they have to readjust it again. It's not like, oh, I can just open my doors for outside dining or curbside or inside dining like that. They need to go back to square one and start crunching the numbers again and looking at their menu and making all the decisions they need to do to make sure that it can be profitable. Is it a complete or dramatic retrofit of the way business is now? Does it change or will it ever go back to the way it was? No, it's never going back to the way it was. You know, once again, we really can't, we don't have a crystal ball. We really can't look at it. But it's funny, like, did you ever hear the saying that it takes a month to create a habit? Yes. Yes. Well, it's been three months with COVID and we Americans or people in general have gotten used to eating through delivery services or for, you know, take in, even the restaurants have gotten kind of used to it. But, you know, I think it changes the way people feel about having to have the experience in a restaurant. It's just, well, let me just pick up dinner instead. I don't have to go for the whole nine yards. And I think that will have a big bearing on, as I said, it's just, we've changed quickly. And, um, you know, I live right out, you mentioned in the Hudson Valley, and I live in a town right outside of New Paltz, which is a college town. Yes. Beyond the college town, it is, this is the time of year for tourists. We have rock climbing, we have um, what's, uh, you know, all the farm markets are opened. Mohawk. There's rafting. Yeah, all that stuff. And, you know, strawberries are just in season. And it's just a great place to enjoy the great outdoors. It's a tourist destination. And that's why I love it so much. And that's when the restaurants thrive. But now the mm -hmm. restaurants don't have the tourism and they don't have the college here. How, where are people coming? You're like, you just can't make those numbers up. Yeah. So that's a real downside and i know for a fact in this small small town you know the the community wants to back the restaurants they want to do as much as they can to help support them but it's just not enough you know um yeah, it can never be enough because uh people are hurting as well exactly you know, they're they're out of a job or, or whatever uh so it's you know it's just it's a real hardship for everyone in, involved put your consulting hat on for a second Okay. And I wore my, my New York hat for, <laughs> uh, but put your consulting hat on for a minute and tell us what in your estimation would be a good approach at this moment in time for restaurants. I've been saying this for a while and I hope restaurants are listening because it really, you need to kind of wipe the slate clean. You just ask whether a restaurant business will ever be the same. I don't think it will. But let's say even if that is, it's not this year, it's probably not next year. Wow. So, well, when you're only dealing with 50% capacity with the threat of the coronavirus coming back even worse in the fall, you can't, there's just too many unknowns. Mm. So restaurants have to figure out how they can make money now. And as I said at the beginning, that means going back to numbers. You have to, you know, I've seen some restaurants do some really creative things as far as offering takeout, but offering stuff like in a blue apron type way, you know, so they have their signature dishes, they put all the raw ingredients in a box, and you order that way with your cooking instructions, and you bring that restaurant home to you, but you cook it home, you know, that that's thinking outside of 
kebabs. A restaurant here is on a golf course. They did a really creative thing, which is good now. I don't, you know, not in the winter, but they've invited people to take, bring their own tables and sit out on the golf course. And they, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And the weather's been pretty good for that, but they actually closed down for a while and reboot. You know, I think a lot of the really smart restaurants, well, and maybe they didn't even realize they were smart at the time. When this all happened, they said, we got to close. We got to figure out how we can make this work. And part of making it work is making it, um, the food transport good too, right? I mean, there's, you know, takeout food doesn't necessarily look like the food you get in a restaurant. So, you know, a fine dining restaurant has a real challenge when they're, you know, they're famous for their rack of lamb with their mashed potatoes or whatever that it comes in a box. It just doesn't look as pretty when it's all, you know, freshly out of the, the kitchen. Yeah. So a lot of the, I saw restaurants, which I think was really smart, offer family style meals, even nice upscale restaurants did that because that travels well. It makes more sense. They need less ingredients. So it's condensing the menu. Mm. You're working with a limited staff, so you have to condense the staff, so you have to make things easier and be able to get out of the kitchen with less of a staff. So all those kind of things they have to really reinvent. But I think most importantly, when someone opened up the restaurant for the first time, they had this idea in their head. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is a great concept. And they need to go back and say, okay, how am I going to make this work and get as excited about the new way they're going to make it work as they did the first time. Because if they come in and they're not doing what they truly love and are not like, okay, I'm just doing this because I have to, mm -hmm. the staff is going to feel it. The customers are going to feel it. And it's just not a way to be successful. Yeah. You got to love what you're doing. The other thing, which I just brought up, the staff is such an integral part of what's happening and they have to be behind it. And you know, if they worked for you before and now they're gonna complain about the gloves and the mask and stuff like that, they're not the right people for you. You have to find the people who understand what's happening and have that hospitality gene. That Interesting, Interesting you say that, hospitality gene. <laughs> it is something that's within you, right? Yes, um, I teach at the culinary, introduction to the hospitality industry and we go off the um, Danny Meyer saying the table. And, you know, he always says you hire on 51% emotional skills and 49 technical skills because you can always teach the technical skills, but you're either born with that or you're not. And now more than ever, restaurant owners who are in this really hard time and may not be feeling that hospitable and may not be feeling that good, they got to dig deep and they got to look at their staff as the support system for them too. And you don't do that by barking orders or demanding this or being miserable. You do that by saying, hey, we're in this together. Let's have fun, let's give a great customer experience. Yeah, it's not what we're in this for, you know, how we came in this, but it can work. You, know? you had mentioned that uh, you're an adjunct professor at uh, the Culinary Institute yes. of America in, in Hyde Park, which is why I think you have such great restaurants, great food, uh, because a lot of those chefs graduate and then they kind of stay in the area and yeah. go into the different restaurants uh, and work. And then also, I think the restaurants do a really good job of sourcing 
from the local farms that are in the Hudson Valley. It's very symbiotic, uh, the, way, the way it works out. And it reflects in the meals because there's so many good restaurants in the Hudson Valley. Oh my God, that's why I love the Hudson Valley. How can you not love the Hudson Valley? We just have so much to do. I particularly like the Four Seasons and you know, talk about the farms. There's always something new coming out and the chefs do a great job of bringing that food to the table and it always tastes better. It just hasn't been stressed. I, I think vegetables can get stressed I, or food can get stressed, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's, let's switch it over from the restaurant, uh, side of the house to the patron side of the house. When things open up, patrons can start going back into restaurants. What should we be looking for? Well, you know what, when, before this, people went to restaurants for three reasons. They went for the food, they went for the atmosphere, and they went for the service or hospitality. Those were the three things that they meant the most to them. Now you have to add in safety. And safety has actually, is number one. It, it jumped way ahead. And but, safe, but, but wait, but ha haven't restaurants always been on the forefront of safety because of OSHA and, and everything else as far as the, the rigorous requirements for to, just to operate a kitchen? Yeah, but as... A consumer, you go to a restaurant, you just assume, and it's, it's fine. Right. Yeah. Now it's more important than ever. and For the consumer to see it. It has to be way out in front. So a couple of things, just to go back to the restaurant side and what restaurant owners need to do is they need to be out there with social too. You know, they need to let people know what they're doing and how they're keeping safe. Um, and they also need to be posting on Instagram and Facebook and all those to get keep in touch because if you're not, the customers don't see you. I have a great article on my blog that explains how to do Instagram and social effectively because you don't want doing the same thing all the time. You want to, you know, you can do, go back and, um, you know, do interviews with your kitchen staff, behind scenes, you could tell recipes, you could say how you're helping, you know, other people, whatever. But how I got on that was because Right on a restaurant owner's website, you should be able, or their social, you should be able to go on and see that they're taking the proper precautions. You should see that it's important to them. So interesting enough, like, do you ever think about going out to a fine dining restaurant right now and think about the menu? It's a hard copy menu with how many pages, and you don't want that menu anymore, do you? Unless you can see that they've been wiping it down every time someone um. comes in. Yeah. You have to know that they, you know, know to keep customers away from each other, you know, the distancing. But how yeah. about a wait for a table? Where do people wait? Mm -hmm. You know, th those are things that are a big concern. And that's, um, you know, masks and gloves, utensils. Um, a good friend of mine went to a nice restaurant the other day and he was very impressed by the way. And he's in the restaurant business also. The restaurant was handling silverware. It was... Just like if you go to a dentist office and they have all their utensils in a sealed, yeah, that's how the silverware came. He said it was nicely folded in a nice napkin and it was presented nice. He said the drinks came with covers on them. You know, mm. so those kind of things that they're paying attention, those, those kind of details. And the servers are also, once again, into it. You know, they, they are telling you how they're keeping you safe. 
Mm-hmm. They're letting you know, you know, please, when you get up, make sure you put on your mask. Um, helping you walk through how they're comfortable with it to make you comfortable with it. But, um, you know, once again, hard services need to be addressed. And, right. you know, wiping down salt and pepper shakers when yeah. someone gets up. You know, those are the, all these little things. They have to have a system and you should be looking for that. I'm looking at your your website or your Facebook page, Hudson Valley Eats on Facebook, and you have some really nice pictures, good-looking food, barbecuing yeah, on, that was, on the yes. boat. Yes. Nice little story there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another story about uh, trying to get a – well, this, this falls right in line with what we're talking about. You're trying to get a reservation at Cafe Con Leche. Yeah. Amazing they, restaurant. They were booked – and so you did take out and you enjoyed the food at home. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, such a challenge for the restaurants that the consumer might not understand is like a lot of these restaurants have never taken reservations before. Right. And they have to figure it out. Um, and how do you do Like, Charlie, let's say you were going out to eat. Are you going to a restaurant right now that won't take a reservation? I don't know. I haven't tried to go to a restaurant. Oh, okay. No, my, my, you know, it's a beautiful weather in the Hudson Valley. The restaurants are now open outside dining and 50% inside. And of course, everyone's thinking, I owned a restaurant on the water. I know as soon as the nice weather comes, everyone thinks it's their, they're the one with the idea to go out to eat on the water, you know, but everyone. <laughs> and there's less chance of you getting in without a reservation. And the problem is, is, I'm fine with not having a reservation waiting. I always go to a bar, I, you know, and hang out and have fun and wait. Sure. But now you can't do that. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So those kind of logistics are things that are yeah. very hard for the restaurant to navigate. So you have to have a little compassion with them. There's pros and cons to restaurants taking reservations and asking for a credit card to hold it because think you make a reservation for six at seven thirty. You don't come until eight. Can the restaurant give that table away? Because they're dependent. Restaurants are so dependent on having a butt in the seat every minute they can. Yeah. You know? They did an interesting thing where I am. I'm in uh, Kennett square, Pennsylvania and Kennett square as a cool little town. Um, it's just a strip of road, uh, maybe two, three blocks of real nice uh, coffee shops and restaurants and stuff. And as I was driving by yesterday on one of the main roads, the side road where there are a bunch of restaurants, they shut that road down and all the tables from all the restaurants came outside and it was a beautiful day and, uh, came outside and people were eating outside and the place, the street was packed. There was a lot of people, which was great to see. Were they taking out from the restaurant going sitting or was there waiter waitress service there? It was waiter waitress service. Yeah. So great point. You have to be patient with your waiters or waitresses. Do you know how many extra steps they need to take in order to get that food out to you? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about hot versus cold food. You know, if they have to walk another 400 yards to bring it to you. Also think about what you need when the waitress is there. Don't, go say, you know, I'll take another drink and then come back. And then the next guy at your table says, Oh, you know what? I'll have one too. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, there's those things. Every, Other- it's just like, we're, we're, we have to just, we think or change our way of thinking for everything now. 
Yeah. Is really, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's a, a bad thing. Um, you know, it's, it's an inconvenience because we're so used to a certain way, but um, I, I, I think that people are going to get used to it and, um, and, and kind of go along with it because it's for the better good of everyone. And I think right now, you know, my, my focus is I, I, I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I get a coffee. I'm given a $5 tip. Yeah. Because I feel bad for, you know, the kids who are working there, you know, restaurants and takeout food, uh, you know, we'll give an extra large tip when we can do it because that's what, you know, that's our way of helping any way that we can. Yeah. And so now that restaurants are open for taking, you know, dine in or even mm -hmm. the tables they have outside, you can't linger. You know, you go out with a party of six and you want to hang out. Well, that restaurant needs that table turned that waitress needs the tip, extra tip. So that's another way that the consumer, the patrons can help the restaurants out by understanding that. You know, uh, looking back at your website, let's talk about uh, food insecurity because you're doing a lot for nonprofit organizations to try and coordinate to help these, uh, these people out who don't have the resources to go out or even think to go out. So, you know, on your, your website, you've got a couple of tabs for that where you're focusing on uh, food banks and um, emergency assistance organizations. Uh, give us a couple of pointers. What can we do to kind of help with that effort? This problem's not going away anytime soon. And, you know, food insecurity has been an issue, well, around the, the world. You know, I realized with Hudson Valley Eats, that I was in a unique you know, position to make sure everyone in the Hudson Valley eats. You know, uh, I feel it's really short-sighted to be just giving resources to those people who can afford it when there's so many people out there who can't. And, you know, now more than ever, people are on the unemployment line. They, they don't have money for the basics, let alone as we're talking about going out to dinner. I'm helping out at a local food pantry and their need is up 50%. They used to service 40 families. They now service 80 families. There's many ways you can help. Right now, it's, it's with COVID, believe it or not, it's a little hard to volunteer at a lot of the places because the, um, the food banks need their social distancing too. So they can only allow a certain amount of people working right. in a certain area to help get the food out. The best support you can get a food bank, uh, you know, is money. Donations at this point um, is very valuable. So one of the biggest challenges is that we have the food here. We have to get it to the people in need. And farmers can't afford to take this food that might be going to waste. It might be imperfect. They just might have too much of it. Or it might have fallen on the ground, whatever it is. Getting it to the people who need it, to the food banks, to the... Um, the pantries and the soup kitchens. Mm. So they need volunteers to go in and grab that food for them and bring it to wherever it has to go so it doesn't go to waste. And the cool thing about it, it's part of the food system. It actually helps the environment also because that food that sits there that goes, you know, um, goes rotten is actually terrible for the environment because it emits all these gases into the atmosphere that affect our climate and global warming. So, you know, it's, that's the good thing that can come out of this pandemic. And I, that may sound kind of crazy, but it's working on the food system. Mm -hmm.
so that food doesn't get wasted. It gets the people in need and it helps the environment, you know, because I know in the Hudson Valley, there was one, might've been more, there was a farm that had to pour out milk. Yes. Because it was going bad. I saw that, yeah. Because it couldn't get to the schools. It couldn't get to where it, the restaurants that it normally went to. I think that was happening across the country. <gasps> yeah. Milk it's, farms. That, that stuff has to be fixed. Yeah. And so part of dealing with food insecurity is also dealing, you know, getting granular with that stuff too and trying to make it all work and make connections. So if they're throwing that out, and we all saw it on the news when that yeah. was happening. And they're just, you know, pouring it out. And you're saying, oh, what a waste. Why didn't they, at that point, bottle it up or barrel it up or whatever and send it to places like you're talking about? I can only speak on what I, I would assume is that it costs money to do that. And since they can't sell it, they're not making money. So who do they have oh. to do that, Right. So that's why gleaning works because well, you get they have a person like you. You got to coordinate that around the world, not just in the Hudson <laughs> Valley. And you got to, you know, make sure that the truckers donating their time. <laughs> no problem. Can I sign you up too to start volunteering? Yeah, I'll I'll be your second. I'll be your yeah, second. You know, yeah. when you're sick, I'll step in. Yeah, but you know what? It is happening, which is cool. There are organizations that are starting to come forward, and the attention's being brought. So you know, something that was going to be a long time in the coming probably will happen sooner uh -huh. because of this. So that it, it shines a light on that, which is yeah. so important. So, you know, every County has food banks, every County has soup yeah. kitchens right? and you know, it, everyone, they, they need your help. So mm. I have a Facebook group for Hudson Valley eats that its main mission is to connect the non-for-profits with the public. Uh-huh and educate the public on who they are and what they do. And if they have volunteer opportunities, we post them up there so people can see what's going on. Um, so if they have a few, you know, cause you don't have to volunteer every week. You don't have to volunteer every month, right. but be ready to. And if you see an opportunity that you have the time to do, you know, baby steps, yeah. you know, and you don't have to donate $100, you decide to donate $10 each week. It goes a long way. Does go a long way, yeah. yeah. You know, the thing that, of course, gets to you most is you see the families with the kids. And, you know, they're not in school right now, so they're not getting the meals. A lot of them are not getting the meals that they would if they were in class. And it's right. just a really tough, tough time. Well, it's, um, Hudson, it's HudsonValleyEats.com. HudsonValleyEats.com. That's where you can go to check out what Janet has uh, put together. It's a, it's, it's a good uh, website. Uh, there's a tab on here. You could check out Hudson Valley Eats Heroes. Uh, it's just uh, a treasure trove of good stories and ideas for the average person to find creative ways to helping others, which is what we it's were just talking about. People doing good in the food space, you know, because they're – yeah. A lot of restaurant owners and a lot of people in the food space that get it, you know? Yeah, right. We like to highlight them. Yeah, so if you look at some of those stories, it might give you ideas in your area to kind of do sort of the same things to help others out. I mean, I've always felt that's, that's why we're on this earth. And I'm not preaching or anything, but we're on this earth to help others. 
And that's the, the best thing that we could possibly do is to protect our family, uh, nurture our kids, and to help our neighbors. And if we do that, then um, that's, that's the purpose that we serve here. Yeah, uh, it's bigger uh, than us. Yeah, right. Um, one, one quick thing as we're winding down that I wanted to talk about uh, is, um, uh, you know, I'm sure restaurant owners know it. Kids are a huge part of, uh, of a restaurant's success. And in, in stats that I'm looking at, close to 41 million American children eat out at restaurants each year which contributes to about $43 billion in revenue, according to uh, Crest Research. So I, I guess, you know, you're talking about getting food out to people, uh, take out, uh, presenting it well, all that stuff. I would imagine that you, if a kid likes a restaurant, he's going to bring his parents back. Right. And so there's what, what is it like the top three, like uh, uh, burgers, uh, chicken, fingers, pasta. Maybe those are the top three things for kids. Sure. Grilled cheese. Yeah. yeah, pasta, yeah. Grilled, grilled cheese. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, would that be a suggestion as well to to treat, you know, that that portion of the meal in a entertaining way for the child? Wow, Charlie, that's a. Wonderful question. <laughs> it is. Um, because you're absolutely right. In normal times, children do bring families back, you know, people to restaurants. It's a, and so few restaurants cater to them. Yeah. Now with limited space in restaurants and not making much profit off the children's meal, mm. with the table, uh, seat taken up, I think they could do more creative things would take out too, possibly, you know, making it more of a fun meal. So families want to take out because the kid gets a little something that yeah. might be possible. And I'm not saying not in the restaurant space, but you bring up a great question. I don't yeah. have the answer to that one. <laughs> work on that. We'll, we'll talk. I, about I will. It. Okay. We'll another, as soon as I finish it. saving the world with <laughs> everyone. Okay. I'm giving you work to do it. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, Janet, it's so great to catch up with you. Uh, any last words for us uh, as far as the pandemic goes or as patrons, uh, what, we're, what we're looking at uh, as far as the, the longevity of this situation that we're in right now? Um, I would just keep in mind that we're all in it together. And whether you're going out to dinner, bringing in, or whether you're going to help a food bank, it's all about working together and being patient and like these times are the restaurants have it so bad i you know think about it you know i think what's brought this to light from this pandemic is how much we rely on restaurants for our entertainment needs and how much they're just much more than a, a meal yeah. you know they're part of our culture they employ so many people in our country and we we need them to survive so we got to do whatever we can yeah, to make we're, sure we're, that happens. We're hoping to have uh, a few restaurant owners on in, in a future podcast. We're working on that right now uh, awesome. to get their take of, of where they're at at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, but we got a feel for them. So, uh, HudsonValleyEats.com, Janet Irizarry. She is a pro, a lot of years ex of experience, three full service restaurants that she owned. Pretty amazing. And now she's a professor at the Culinary uh -huh. Institute of America. 
as well as helping a lot of businesses in the area. So Janet, thanks so much. Keep everybody on their toes in New Paltz and around the Hudson Valley. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. All right. So that will do it for this edition of the Just Saying Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so as to never miss an episode. Next week, we'll have a special edition where I will be talking about my adoption and bringing to light some earth-shattering new information to my story of how I found my mother and the four brothers that I never knew I had. And the weeks to follow, we'll have a few guests on the show that will tell their amazing stories, in some cases, heart-wrenching stories, of their adoption journey. But for now, stay safe and be kind. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Sayin' Podcast. 